0: I don't know it's that thing of when you're in the ground you sometimes have a bit of a different impression of it to people watching on TV but I thought we slightly, slightly struggled to make the breakthrough in the first half and it was kind of a relief when that breakthrough came at the end of the first half and then in the second half particularly in the latter stages of the second half we were electric and, and very good value for the 3-1 win. I, I thought all all round it was a pretty superb performance from United from, from the vantage point I had in the Stretford uh-huh. Uh,
1: well, I thought United simply just controlled the game uh, throughout the first half. Uh, so over 70% possession, a really high uh, retention of the ball, created a load of chances. That um, struggled to make that breakthrough uh, until Herrera's goal, of course. And then in the second half, just went a little bit flat for a while. Uh, didn't seem to create as many chances. And uh, we just weren't quite as zippy with the possession. But uh, I, I suppose he got better once Di Maria came on, he suddenly started creating chances for United, didn't he? And and uh, in the end, a sort of fine and buoyant ending. And I'm sure that's what everyone uh, left with at the end. A uh, fine victory for United, though, though very close to being a bit of a nervy end, wasn't it? After Benteke scored straight after Rooney's second for United.
0: Uh, yeah, it was that classic thing of all the the whole time it was 1-0, I was thinking, we really need a second here. Because, as you say, 70% possession in the first half, even more in the second half, um, taking the kind of overall total to like 71 or 72 or something. But just kind of completely demolished Villa. But yeah, at, at 1-0, I was like, we definitely need a second goal here. And it was proved uh, very ap- apt when... Mere moments after scoring that uh, second goal, they got one back, and then spent the whole rest of it going. We really need a third one here, and then we got it. Um, it was just just lovely. I mean, I, I just thought as a as a kind of attacking performance, it it was pretty hard to fault. Really, uh, as you say, we 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 made a ton of chances. Um, certainly, like my impressionistic view of the game wasn't that they particularly fell in the first half. In, in Partly that is also just due to the end that you're sat at, right? If you're sat at one of the ends, then the action that takes place at that end sort of bores into your consciousness a bit deeper. And and I certainly thought that we we made life difficult for them all the way through that game. And they really showed very little threat. I mean would set them up as you would expect to soak up as much pressure as possible and try and hit United on the break and not necessarily score with those breaks although that's obviously ideal but also just win set pieces and it was pretty inevitable that their goal if it were to come would come from a set piece.
1: Yeah that's right and uh, I I suppose that was uh, the only opportunity Aston Villa were ever going to get I, I was chatting to people before the game about um how Villa would take it on tactically because uh, Sherwood was really buoyant before the game talking about how they'd take the game to United and United were vulnerable and, and uh, they thought they had a chance and it felt like hollow words really for Master Villa and uh, I suppose they tried to break through Agbon Lahore but Villa were so outnumbered in midfield for much of the game that he was forced into the channels and, and that was really their only opportunity, wasn't it? A few set pieces and, and the odd break uh, in truth, United controlled the game even if the goals came late. But that's a, another fine win for United, I, I, I'm actually not sure how many that is on the they bounce now, but uh, you know, three since we started this, what we thought was going to be a super tough run, Tottenham, Liverpool, Villa, then we've got City and Chelsea to come. Some real momentum uh, building up.
0: For sure. I mean, its uh, I think it's five league wins in a row that was interrupted by that Arsenal loss. And as you say, three since we started the tough run. Also three since we switched to four-three-three, 3 3 and three since we started looking like some kind of World beaters, essentially. I mean, perhaps we didn't quite look like world beaters against Aston Villa, but it kind of felt like that. There's been a number of things that have defined these last three games. One has been ball retention. Uh, that was definitely at its best against, against Villa. Multiple players with pass completion percentages in the 90s in that game, and not hard to see why. And it was one of those games where we completely dominated possession but but it didn't have that kind of um slightly anodyne feel that some of those games have had and and maybe that was just the fact that we got a couple of goals in the last in the last period of that game but but they did feel like just reward for our, our endeavors and Another absolutely defining characteristic of United's play since we've switched to this 4-3-3 is the pressing. I mean, you've talked about that a lot in the last couple of weeks of the show, but it was on show again against Villa. No time to settle on the ball and and United's uh, third goal, I think it was the one that one of them anyway. Um yeah, it was the third goal. Herrera's second came from Rooney absolutely harrying a drop ball situation.
1: Yeah, which Sherwood complained about afterwards, saying that he thought United were going to give the ball back, which which they got the ball back. Uh, and Rooney did a you know, a very good job pressing there to, to go and get the ball. Actually, that was one of uh, Rooney's two good moments in the game. I thought he had a very poor game. Of course, everyone goes, Whoa, well, you would say that, Ed. Uh, apparently, my reputation for hating on Rooney precedes me now. But uh, I thought he had a very poor game. He was hardly in the game, actually. Rooney had something like 22 touches in the entire game. Not quite... Van Persie-esque but not far off uh, but the two two great pieces uh, were was that to uh, start the attack that won United the game effectively that late goal um, and then Rooney's goal which was absolutely brilliantly taken I mean I guess it was classic Rooney wasn't it two moments and uh, not much in between.
0: But let's talk about the that moment that goal was really special first of all it was exciting to see Di Maria looking bright um, and it was a decent cross to Rooney you couldn't really fault the cross but it was slightly behind him and Rooney did absolutely amazingly to pluck the ball out of the air and swivel and blast it into the top corner that's uh, that's in the pantheon of great Rooney goals I think
1: yeah, I mean, really top quality. I mean, uh, and the most surprising thing, I suppose, was that uh, his first touch actually worked. Normally he's a brick wall and it just bounces straight off him. But no, plucked it out of the air, swivelled, smashed it in. It was uh, Van Basten-esque.
0: <laughs> it certainly was. And talking of players who uh, maybe didn't perform and the rank cast has got a specific agenda against, uh, a poor performance from the previously undroppable Maron Fellaini, I thought,
1: so. Yeah, be interesting does Van Hal drop him now because he He's actually built a reputation this season. I know I know people have started saying he was stubborn, but uh, we've talked about this before on this show, and I was never quite sure what that meant, really, when he was chopping and changing 15 players every game. Oh, that's an exaggeration. It, it was only 12. But but um, he, he's been absolutely ruthless. Herrera uh, didn't do what he wanted, dropped him before. Mata didn't do what he wanted. Poor game, uh, dropped him. Will he drop Fellaini after a, a, a stinker? I mean, I have to say, uh, Fellaini has been good in the last few weeks. At least he's been effective. He's not pretty at any point, um, but he has been effective and, and uh, caused some trouble. But he, he wasn't even that really for United. I mean, he, he was barely on the ball. Uh, he he played it very safe when he did get the ball. He didn't really create any chances for United, and uh, he he wasn't that effective in the final third. And I wonder whether uh, part of that was the ball was actually going into his feet rather than his head, uh, because United played more football on the ground than than at almost any point this season.
0: Couple of things about that. First of all, I mean, I don't. I, Fellaini was not terrible in that game, but he was the worst of United's probably players, given what Rooney did uh, with that moment of magic. The one thing about, oh, I guess De Gea you'd have to give him plenty of stick for the goal he conceded and he didn't have to do much else. So uh, you, you could you could yeah. give him some criticism too. Um, I, I think not only will van Gaal keep him in the side, but I think he should keep him in the side because it's a very different challenge coming up against uh, city. And it's interesting because the last two games, I mean, you say it's because the ball was just fired in at his head um, or his chest more accurately all the way through those, uh, those two games beforehand. But I think more than anything else, he just had space to operate in. And he's not very good when he, when you're trying to break down deep-lying defenders, which is maybe slightly counterintuitive given his apparent physicality. But I think he just needs a bit less pressure on him and a bit more room to work in to be effective. And he had that against Tottenham and he had it against Liverpool, but he didn't have it at all against Villa because they just sat in two banks of four and he never had room to, to breathe. So I think that's that's against City presumably you'd think they'd attack a bit more there'd be a bit more space and I think I'd keep him in for that game
1: yeah potentially I mean I'm not sure there was anything particularly in the tactics that meant that United played almost basically half the number of long balls that is typical of United although I suppose having both Herrera and Mata in there does change the makeup of the midfield a little bit you know a little more technical isn't it perhaps more movement off the ball with a system as well and that helps United's ball retention and and uh, helps United just not launch it at Fellaini all the time so um, and I think you're right um in a, in a way Fellaini does need that little space he's not the type of player who's, who wants a ball in front of him and he's going to break down uh, an opposition with a neat
0: pass is he no, I, I think the the thing about long balls and tactics is key, though, because you say that, you mentioned Matter and Herrera, but they've both been in the side for the last two games as well. The The difference was clearly intentionality. It was clearly tactical because the, the, I would think, I'm not 100% sure about this, and I definitely can't be bothered to crunch the numbers, but I would not be surprised if a huge percentage of the long balls we didn't play, as it were, were due to the fact that De Gea kept passing it short. Time after time after time De Gea would just knock it out to Rojo or um Valencia, That they, they were his two biggest outballs and, and far fewer of the launches from De Gea to Fellaini. Um so it was pretty clear that the tactic was play it out from the back because Villa weren't gonna put United under much pressure in the in United's half because they were sat so deep and it just looked like it was a deliberate tactical decision, just keep it, play on the deck because you don't there wasn't the, the perceived need to launch it, I guess.
1: Yep, there's there's definitely some of that um, oh, that's good season, it. It's. It, I don't actually think Fellaini is hugely successful when the ball's just launched at him all the time. For one thing, he he has a complete inability to actually jump. It, it's strange for such a big man. He basically never gets his feet off the ground. I wonder if he's just too big to actually make it off the ground.
0: Hashtag too big to jump. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, that was kind of interesting. And and I think okay, so we've covered the players who did not cover themselves in glory. But essentially, every oh, we haven't mentioned Valencia. He wasn't brilliant, but everyone else was superb, and I would like to spend the next period of time on this here podcast waxing lyrical about the midfield performance of the two-goal hero a Herrera. What an outstanding midfield display that was. Okay, it was only against Villa, but he's hardly been bad in uh, games against better opposition, and he was Just different gravy. I was watching that game and all the way through the first half I was kind of analysing because I had to do this thing afterwards for Bleach Report where I was picked out who played well and who played poorly and I I, I kind of already had Ander Herrera number one of the players that were playing well list and then he scored the goal at the end of the first half and then in the second half he was even better and just... He's ferocious and competitive when we haven't got the ball. He's quick, he's inventive, he's brave with his passing when he needs to be and sensible when he needs to be, and he's added this goal-scoring thing to his game. Is Ander Herrera the complete midfielder, Ed?
1: No, but um, he was uh, outstanding. let's Let's not try and pay him something he isn't so he's he's not the complete midfielder but yeah you you're right he's uh, he's he's very tenacious and he's brave uh, but it's his passing that stands out he's moves the ball very quickly and he's very crisp with it uh, got ahead of the ball got into goal scoring positions obviously and uh, was the pick of United's midfielders uh, over 100 touches as well so the uh, the ball was definitely going through him an awful lot so um, just a very very good midfield performance kind of begs the question as to why he seems to have played so little this season surely United's midfield would have been much better with him in it for many more games
0: well there's there's a couple of things he's 14th in the list of league minutes played this season Herrera it is, and that's in spite of the fact that he's only missed seven minutes of the last seven league games so he's obviously kind of like flown up the charts in the last seven games. Apparently, I've heard this from uh, multiple different places, whether it's true or not, I have no idea, but this is this is a rumour I've repeatedly heard. His performances in training were just... He just was not putting in the effort in training. Whether it was a cultural thing, whether it was kind of... He's come from a club where... It, or his last manager didn't expect him to give 110% in training or whatever nonsense that that is. Although Bielsa managed him, so how do you, you know...
1: Exactly, yeah. So so I've I've heard this one and I just don't believe it because he worked for Bielsa in fact. He gave the interview recently when he when he said that uh, Van Gaal had asked him to stop running around on the pitch so mm. much. Uh, this is not a player who lacks for effort.
0: Then so you think is it that he just wasn't quite getting what Van Gaal wanted him to do, but he's actually an incredibly intelligent football. I mean that's very evident from that interview. He speaks about football with a degree of analysis that not that many footballers can I bet he's going to be one heck of a pundit when he retires
1: the other thing is of course that the switching formation is creating an extra spot in midfield yeah uh, which has helped. And so n- now United only playing with one up front, a, a situation that many people saw as obvious yep. many, many months ago, uh, given the balance of United's squad. And-, and it's finally happened and it's actually working for United now. And, and now Herrera is definitely in the side. And, and that wasn't the case before. And now you, know, you kind of wonder when Van Persie comes back, what's going to happen? Is is Van Hal going to move to-, to up front again and, and Herrera... Or Mata loses their place in the side anyway. That's that's not for next week. Might not even be for the, the week afterwards. Uh, Van Persie's taking a very very long time to get fit again.
0: And thank goodness he is. God bless you, Robin. But uh, Van Persie getting injured is the best thing that's happened to Manchester United all season. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate for him, and and I, I've got a great deal of affection for robin van persie and especially everything he did in that first season for us and how much he loved the club and talking about how gigs and skulls were unbelievable champions all the time it was unbelievable to quote him but but we have it has just been the boon of all boons that he's got injured because even if you just took dropped rooney and played van persie up front we wouldn't be as good you know because rooney's so much more mobile than van persie now
1: Rel- relatively mobile let, let's be let, absolutely um, I'm not sure Rooney's that mobile anymore he's just not even nearly as dynamic as he was no
0: no I, I I very specifically said compared to Van Persie the only way I think you can fit Van Persie back into that side without destroying it is to drop Fellaini and play Rooney there where Fellaini where, where Fellaini's playing in that kind of left hand side attacking midfield role that's that's the only the only way it works without wrecking what is what is a very good thing at the moment
1: yeah that's right that's the one position that Rooney hates more than any other isn't it almost guaranteed to provoke a transfer request
0: (laughs) no i don't mean like where young's playing as the kind of left-sided attacker but as the kind of you know in in the triangle so it's essentially kind of a number 10 role isn't it because we're playing with two number 10s at the moment one on each side for good measure
1: Yep, uh, something along those lines. Uh, other, other good players. Mata had a pretty good game and not, not nearly as influential as in the Spurs and Liverpool games. I suppose the goals make a difference, right? So it's Herrera who has the double this week and, and so we were all looking at him, but I thought Mata was pretty effective again in his false winger position. Yep. Uh, Carrick very very good at the base of the midfield do you think so he gets the ball he moves it very quickly I mean he's very very effective at helping United retain possession in, in very good areas of the yeah
0: I, I it was one of those games where I, I kind of thought if I had to I, I wasn't totally sold on Carrick's performance there was a couple of like defensive moments where he was just a bit Carricky about the whole thing but yeah he was he was very good with the ball and uh, Mata was just a joy to watch as he always is and then he did get that assist which was crucial and then Herrera's off celebrating with all the team and then he sees the love of his life across a crowded box splits off from the rest of the team jogs over to give matter a special hug it was beautiful scenes uh, between the two of them and they will have to work extra hard to comfort David after his mistake
1: and uh, and another Play you'd want to single out Marcus Rocho back in the side uh, and very very effective. Uh, it leaves an open question for next weekend, doesn't it? Uh, who should should Smalling come back in because Smalling's been very good in recent weeks um, and Jones not quite so. So is it Smalling and Rocho next week or do we go back
0: to Jones and Smalling? That's a really good question and and also brings me back to our earlier conversation about Hoofgate. I wonder whether the absence of Chris Smalling contributes to the relatively smaller number of long balls, but that is just pure guesswork. I'm not.
1: I'd, I'd be tempted to say. Yes, but then you look at Smalling's past completion rate this season and it's very, very high. It's in the 90s. There you go. Unless he's a very good long ball specialist <laughs> and supposedly you ought to look up the numbers. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, actually, that's one of the most surprising stats of the season. Look at Smalling's past completion rate. Tell you
0: what, the, my, the weirdest stat of the season is that Ander Herrera has scored with every shot on target he's had. Like, he's had plenty of, like, block shots and shots that have gone wide as well. But every time in the league, every time he's hit a shot on target, it's gone in. Weird. Anyway, the... The thing about the back four is I I think I'd be tempted to drop Jones and play Smalling and Rocco, but Jones hasn't been bad. And in fact, he made a couple of key Phil Jones type interventions yesterday, didn't he? Like important last ditch challenges and in that Phil Jones way. But he just always, he's got that thing about him this season, hasn't he? Where it, where it always looks like there's a Bambi on ice thing just about to happen.
1: It's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure in the summer United, I mean, it, it, it looks uh, with every press report there is that uh, United are going to try and solidify the uh, the long-term interest in, uh, in Mats Hummels and bring him in. And and uh, that's one of the centre-backs on their way. It's certainly not going to be Rojo, so uh, one of Jones, Evans or Smalling will probably be leaving the club.
0: It's got to be Evans, hasn't it, if you look at this season, unless, unless Van Gaal really springs a surprise.
1: Yeah it would be I mean Evans has had a terrible season and he's not progressed for some time so he'd be the logical choice but even so if if Hummels is in and, and Rocco's had another season under his belt and that's the pairing next season Jones and Smalling aren't going to be playing very much for United and, and uh, that's not good for either of them.
0: No absolutely I it's in terms of the derby I just don't know who you players the back four I wonder whether you think about the specific challenge posed by City's attack and try and work out who the best players are to deal with that or whether you're just kind of just trying to find United's best balance the one thing that is quite reassuring is that none of the possible three combinations that you get from those three players none of them are scary like I'm happy if it's Jones and Smalling I'm happy if it's Jones and Rocco and I'm happy if it's Smalling and Rocco they're they're all fine the way they're playing at the moment on on that subject of massive shout out to the people that said hello uh, and and said they enjoyed the podcast that day it's uh, it's always lovely when people say nice things about it the-
1: fame paul oh yeah yeah that's right that's what it yeah, is Nate
0: should be demanding to only have
1: the blue M&Ms while you're recording
0: do you know do you know the the true story of the blue M&Ms it's a good story i think Go for it. So it is true that I think it was Van Halen asked for one of the colours of M&M's to be taken out of their bowl of M&M's on their rider, but it wasn't as a kind of rock and roll excess. It's because they had this incredibly technical show with like pyrotechnics and all this quite dangerous stuff, and they were checking the attention to detail of the venue. So if they were brown M&M's, they knew they hadn't read them carefully enough, and this is, that's, that's, that's the story. But,
1: but what explains the fact that you need doves to be released in your honour before every show? <laughs> well,
0: doesn't that happen anyway? Yeah. I, I, th- I thought you've been telling me all these years that you released three doves before we start recording at your end. I just assumed that was happening. Right, talking of complete nonsense, should we take some Twitter questions? Let's do it. At Nye Beverage says... Sorry about this, Ed. You'll have to tune out for a sec. If you made a WrestleMania match with a United player past or present and a wrestler past or present, who would it be? See, the thing is, in that clash... I watched WrestleMania 31. It was amazing. I make no apologies for that. I kind of make a slight apology for that. I was a bit disappointed by how much I enjoyed it. But man, I enjoyed it. Anyway, but still, even having enjoyed that, I'd I'd have to be on the side of the United player. So I want to give us the best chance possible, which means obviously I would put Roy Keane in there. Except that wrestling is like you know, the result is predetermined and I can't help thinking that if whoever's in the ring with Roy Keane accidentally caught him one when they weren't supposed to, there would be nothing predetermined about the next 10 minutes of the match and Roy Keane might uh, ruin it and make sure if they got colour, they got colour the hard way. That's me using red wrestling language that I've learnt in the last two months. Stupid sport. It's not a sport, it's stupid theatre. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's stupid theatre and the thing about stupid theatre is it can be really enjoyable. At Tad Davis 31 says, when do we consider ourselves title challengers? Next March. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: not going to happen this year. Let's be realistic. So what did Chelsea have now? Seven point lead. And that's what, nine over United. So um, zero chance of uh, United actually taking the title. It would take a massive implosion from Chelsea for that to happen so not going to happen
0: yeah I, I i i dared to dream um after charlie adams scored from his own half but uh, azmir begovic ruined it by chucking chelsea the ball
1: yeah let, let's uh, just focus on one game at a time lads and <laughs> Uh, not get ahead of ourselves and there's actually two very difficult games coming up against City and, and Chelsea I mean yeah, we'll get onto a preview about City in a bit but uh, United might be favourite for that one now which uh, a long time since that has been the case but, uh, but two very difficult games so the narrative of our season might be very different in the fortnight's time
0: yeah absolutely although the fact that Liverpool have imploded as well has been extremely helpful Yes,
1: I now I you know I don't want to engage in Schadenfreude when it comes to Liverpool, you know, except for Steven Gerrard and us smashing them. But uh, it was quite funny that they got smashed at Arsenal. A, a draw would have been the better result for United, of course.
0: I mean, the better result if we're looking upwards, but solidifying fourth place is very important. I mean, w- we are going to have to even if we lose to City and Chelsea, we should maintain our fourth place. It's just that third is so much better than fourth, isn't it? That's the that's the thing.
1: Yeah, it is. Not not just for the prestige uh, for the Champions League qualifying round. Uh, also financially much better as well because you get a much larger percentage of the pool.
0: Right. Um. At Peterville Trades, who expresses sadness that Anderson isn't at the club anymore because he would be the answer to all three of the following questions. Easter egg hunt, who hosts it at their house, who hides the eggs, and who's the hoarder? Because um, yeah, I think Anderson would do all of those things if he was still around. But I reckon that one matter would obviously host it, and I would also trust him the most to hide the eggs. As for the hoarder, I Phil Jones has the look of a man who's scared of not knowing where his next Easter egg is going to come from.
1: Yeah, no, uh, you wouldn't trust Anderson in a Easter egg hund- uh, hunt at all, would you, at any point? I mean, he'd be good at hunting, but you definitely wouldn't trust him to host it.
0: Um, who's your player of the season, asks Ro Barlow, uh, not including Dave. Oh, well, no, Dave. Yeah, but but that's... stupid. That's, you no no. no, no, but the, the whole point of the question is, who is second in United's player of the year race? Which I think is quite an interesting question, because...
1: It is, no one's actually performed consistently for the whole season. Mm. It could be argued. Yeah, in fact, that's true. It's hard to pick a player out that's actually been consistent for the whole season. Maybe Michael Carrick. Although even there, quite a few performances earlier in the season where we were Mm criticising him. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just
0: Dave. It's Dave 1, 2, and 3. I I think, for me, the answer to that question is, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but I think it's probably, in terms of consistent when they've played, Herrera's barely had a bad game, but obviously he hasn't played that much compared to other people. But the, the kind of secret, real answer to this question, I think, might be Chris Smalling. Because, apart from that game against City, Smalling has done very little wrong all the way through the season, really. And then the other possible answer, it's kind of a slightly uncomfortable one, but the other possible answer is Rooney, who, barring that run of games where he played right, right deep in the centre of midfield, has been at least OK most of the time.
1: Yeah, he was totally bobbins in midfield. <laughs> he, wasn't he? he was. To, to use your terminology. <laughs> he, uh, was. Yeah, he, he was. He was just terrible. So, no, it can't be him. Uh, and I'm afraid it's just Dave in every position from one to ten you know when they hand out the awards at the end of the season he should be the the first team player of the year the reserve team player of the year and the academy player of the year and the best goalkeeper and the best defender and the best best striker and the best midfielder the whole lot of them
0: even after his shocking display actually he's had two slightly dodgy goals conceded in a row now he has he has
1: interesting yeah i wonder whether all this contract talk with uh Real Madrid is um, disrupting his
0: focus. I, I wonder whether it's a, a great, like, once we're two goals up, he lets one in just just to make it Real Madrid go away like because he loves United so much. Yeah,
1: I think it's more the former yeah, than
0: the latter. I think you might be right. If you had to choose, says CraigNan89, would you rather have Daily Blint's hair or Juan Mata's beard? I'd go for the beard. Daily Blint's hair is just a bit meh. Just <laughs> you just say Daily Blint's hair is meh? That, I did. that is that is the most outrageously controversial thing you've ever said on this podcast. I'm I'm quite sure it's not.
1: <laughs> I just yeah, it just looks a bit boy band.
0: <laughs> All right, I I could grow my hair like that, and I can't grow a beard, so I'd have to go with a beard. Where's Raphael? Asked Joe Petruccio at half time. When the United players were walking off the pitch, nobody really acknowledged the crowd as they don't at half-time because, you know, they're head down, get in the dressing room, they're still in the middle of doing the job of work. Except for Rafael, who's like clapping everyone, you know, round the ground. I don't know what's happened to Raphael, he's just been relegated to mascot at this point. Was he on the bench? Was he one of the chosen substitutes yesterday?
1: He was, uh, along with uh, McNair and Valdez and Pereira and Yanazai who didn't get on. Maria and Falcao did, of course.
0: Yeah, but Raphael's got to be gone in summer, right? Yeah. Well, United
1: are definitely going to bring in two right-backs. It'd be, uh, li- well, I mean, definitely one. Two would be more sensible unless they uh, see Anthony Valen- Anthony? Antonio Valencia as the long-term backup to whatever expensive right-back they finally buy. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I I think that's what's happening, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine United will get much for Raphael. They get a bit, I, I suppose that uh, Van will be keen to get rid of the deadwood. What's left of it? Um, he's done a reasonably effective job at doing that anyway. So if Evans and Raphael go, and um, and obviously the deadwood that is Dave. Oh dear. Uh, then there's a, a few more spaces in the squad.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Stevens BK says, has Herrera scored with every shot he's directed at your heart like he has mine. Yes, obviously. How could he not? At Ginger underscore Prince 28 says, What is a Periscope? Isn't it something on a submarine? I feel like a, I feel like an old man. I see that word a lot these days. It's like when you would see the word Uber a lot before you knew what it meant. You, of course, probably know what all these things mean, being super engaged in the high-tech yeah. modern world and all that.
1: I'm not, I'm not sure. I think Periscope's one of these live video apps, as, as well as being a thing on the submarine, yeah. uh, along with Meerkat. I, I accidentally clicked on meerkat uh, wanting to look at Rio Ferdinand's sort of live meerkatting and uh, accidentally hit the record run the watch button so recorded my knee for about 30 (laughs) seconds so (laughs) those amongst amongst you that caught that because it like it tweets it to twitter and you don't get a choice about it will have caught a, a recording of my knee good job it wasn't something else
0: that's probably slightly more interesting than watching Rio Ferdinand's social media presence at Red Devils twenty times says, "Do you think we need to buy a striker this summer?" I'm working on the basis that Falcao and Van Persie are both going, and therefore, yes, we do need to buy a striker. But I think we're having a bit of a moratorium on transfer talk, aren't we? Until we
1: we are, yeah. Although, is this transfer talk? This is the, there's one analysis that. That says that you, know, you can 't really be happy with any of united 's strikers right now, not fully um Falcao's obviously shot van percy well over uh, well past his best although i'm not i 'm not certain like you are that he 's going to leave and uh, and Rooney's definitely going to stay, although you know i've said enough about him over the weeks um, and wilson 's not played that much so there's one one analysis that says that uh, you couldn 't be happy with all of them and so bringing in a top class striker would make a lot of sense of course That's you know stupidly expensive but the other the other way of looking at it if van hal is going to stick with this sort of 4-5-1 4-3-3 three, three formation then he doesn't need that many strikers and uh, bringing in a sort of box to box midfielder and a, a top quality wide player would be more sensible.
0: Uh, yeah and uh, on on that subject even though we're not talking about transfers uh, at Tiny X13 says to depay or not to depay it's to depart, isn't it? But still,
1: he doesn't like that one. He likes the. To himself in Memphis uh, it's something to do with his family history um, which is why he has that on his back yeah uh, interesting because um, I don't know about you Paul but I haven't watched an awful lot of Dutch football this season so I couldn't really tell you how good he's been um, uh, honestly um, he was good in patches at the World Cup like a player wasn't quite ready to make the, the big move but it's two years on and, and uh, he's one of the hottest properties in Europe and it looks like United are interested but you know, hey what do you think?
0: Uh, yeah I, I don't watch a ton of Dutch football but people people that do say that he's just in a completely different league to the rest of the Dutch league at the moment he is to the Dutch league what Ronaldo was to the Premier League in that season when he was the, not the one before he left but the one before that not to say that he's as good as Ronaldo but that I mean that's just I'm just completely yeah. stolen that from someone I didn't make it up or watch the football Um so I don't know
1: the other way of looking at it is to say that United do need another wide player of high quality. I know Young's had a decent season. Um, that one is definitely relative. Di Maria, I think, would much rather play in the central position. He'd much rather play, of course, which he's not getting <laughs> much of an opportunity to do right now, uh, and assuming he stays at the club. Uh, and um, you know, I, I know Matt has done very well uh, coming off the, the right in a false nine, false nine, false winger position and all of that, but I'm sure United would like to add their stock of top quality winger.
0: Uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting point, isn't it? I thought um, Di Maria was really good in his cameo uh, against Villa, yep. and it's been a while since we've said that. And I can't help wondering, this is terribly reductive English football punditry 101, but the fact that it's not winter anymore. No, please, <laughs> yeah, please. Like, he spent a number of years in very warm countries where they have a winter break and all that sort of malarkey and he's come to manchester and it's not it's been a very long not freezing cold but a very long very gray winter here and you know if you're not used to it i'm not sure that that is as trivial as people think it is yeah, he should just—he should just like you know, man up or something. It's not so easy to just man up because, like you know, for a start, it's biologically not that easy to just man up because if your serotonin levels, lots of people, some people are more sensitive than others to the. This effect of oh please he should get
1: himself a sad light in that case well yeah I mean for yeah, sure I'm, I'm not having this I think he's just had a poor season although of course his numbers look great he another assist so he absolutely racks up the assists but I also have eyes and my eyes tell me he's had a very poor season and 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 you know that that assessment is always relative because United spent 60 million pounds and for 60 million pounds and that kind of quality uh, you want much much more I look back to his sort of first performance and everyone was like wow De Maria in the United shirt. He's like, didn't we say in the podcast after his his first performance for United early September or so that uh, he was miles above everyone else?
0: Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. It hasn't quite worked out like that over the
0: season. No, the flip side though is that, and and I don't disagree with a word you've said. By the way, it's it's self evidently true. The flip side is that is he's has actually had a super productive season, like. He's second in the Premier League assist table only to Fabregas. He's miles by miles top of United's assist table, 10. The next person is there's a bunch of people on 4. It's not just luck either, like his key pass generation is up per per game, not not total number of key passes or anything, but his his average key passes per game is off the scale compared to the rest of them. It's just that that his kind of pass accuracy is way 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 below the rest of them so it's easy his pass accuracy is even worse than Rooney's and
1: Rooney's like the 20th best passer in the in the Premier League no not in the Premier League in the United
0: squad but the thing is Di Maria's is totally offset by the fact that his productivity is so high so he does a lot wrong but he does a lot right too yeah Puts up
1: the numbers, which is one of the reasons why you do want him in the side and just playing better. You want those, the rest of those stats to get up and you want him because he's a very, very effective player and he's going to help, you know, score lots and lots of goals if he stays at
0: the club. Problem is at the moment we're talking about a very expensive nanny, aren't we? You know, that's like, it's not what you want. Nanny, of course, who's heading back
1: to Old Trafford, although I suppose United will try and find a buyer for him. He's had a productive season at Sporting, but they can't afford his wages, apparently.
0: Yeah, and can't, surely can't give him another chance. And if Di is getting dropped for not being consistent enough, I can't see Van Gaal having a lot of time for Nanny, really.
1: No, so Ivanhoe does actually want to go and spend some decent money this summer. United could pick up quite a bit of change from Rafael Hernandez, Evans, and Nani. I mean, that's that's a that's a decent amount of money
0: that should be brought into the club. The other, the kind of culturally interesting thing about that is that that's another group of players who played under Fergie, and, and the turnover of post the the turnover of the post Fergie era is is starting to approach. Remarkable levels, isn't it? I mean, Ashley Young gave an interview before the Villa Games. It was a nice interview, and he talked about his better form this season. And he talked about how Van Gaal had been it, at pre-seasons. Van Gaal had come up to him and kind of, you know, to have a private chat. And Young thought, you know, this is it. I'm off. And he said, "No, you're one of the senior players here. I want you to be take up the mantle of one of the senior players." And for Young, it was the realization that he's one of the players that's been there longer than a good number of them which is crazy because he you know he does not feel like an entrenched part of the club
1: six years six years Ashley Young has had six years earning over a hundred (laughs) thousand pounds a week at Manchester United just just listen to that for one moment and take it in let's have a pause let's just pause and think about that
0: see the only thing I don't like about that is the is the amount of money I think he's obviously his wages are excessive but you know he's never stopped trying as he and he, he has been good this season Bless old Ashley Young, but yeah, so it's, it's it, we are we're a very different club to what we were a couple of years ago. A Very different squad to what we were a couple of years ago.
1: So, so United building towards something next season. I mean, uh, fix those holes. So we, we found a system that works. To fi- fix the fix the sort of, you know, box-to-box midfielder gap that's in there and, and get an experienced centre-back in there. Don't lose Dave. Uh, get another right-back, clearly. Keeps your fit. Or Daley Blint playing the way he's been very good the last three games, hasn't he? At left-back, uh, very good again against Villa, I thought. Yeah, and you've got the core of a, a side that's, that you know should then have a much more solid start to the season and, and, if not challenged for the title, be not far off next season.
0: Yeah, I don't see why we're not I, you know, well, I guess, I guess a big amount will be shown by our performance in our upcoming game against Manchester City next weekend because they are better than Liverpool and Tottenham by a good margin, even though they've, their forms dipped. But uh, one thing's for sure is if we beat them at Old Trafford, we will definitely be above them in the table. Um, and that will be pretty sweet after the season that we've had.
1: Yeah, look, last few games lost to Burnley, lost to Barcelona.
0: That's those things are the same.
1: <laughs> Burnley, the, the the Barcelona of <laughs>
0: Lancashire ish. <laughs> no, they're Maybe not. Not. They're definitely not.
1: I mean, look, the, the fact is that City's form has not been great over the last couple of months, uh, and they've they've had a dip. And they should have been challenging for the title. Uh, they are the reigning champions, and and this is going to be a pretty lightweight attempt at retaining their title, uh, much as it was last time they. They were champions. So all in all, you've got to say this is going to be a disappointing season for City. And and, and just on form alone, uh, you'd say that United are probably favourites. Uh, and it's Old Trafford. And, and United's record at Old Trafford is outstanding. Uh, you'd say that United are favourites to win this game.
0: I mean, it's remarkable, isn't it? When, when this difficult run that we all talked about started, I don't think any of us would have had United's favourites for this one at that point. But uh, now you can't say that we're not. I mean, I think there are a bunch of mitigating factors. First, it's a derby and they have significantly had the edge of, over us in uh, recent times. I, the only derby I can think of that we've won recently was the Robin Van Persie 3-2, but apart from that, it's been pretty slim pickings for us. And one of the things that's been really wrong at City is they've not looked like... They just haven't looked like they really cared. They haven't looked like they're playing for Pellegrini. They haven't looked like they're playing for each other. But I wonder whether the fact that it's a derby will galvanise them slightly because they obviously would enjoy the bragging rights that come along with that.
1: Well I'm sure that might increase the intensity in their game which has definitely dropped off um but uh you know I'm I'm hoping that what's left of that core of united players that remember all the bad results against city recently I mean four defeats in a row to city isn't it and um which which is not good and uh, it had kind of happened too many times uh, over the the course of 125 years of games but so you know I'm hoping that that rump that remember those games um uh, will be just as intense on the united side as well There's something to play for here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just the Champions League place, because I think, you know, Liverpool's results over the last couple of games means that United are are almost there, 95%. um, Even though there are those three really difficult games and and Liverpool do have a really... Easy running, I think you know that kind of cushion United have got is is enough. Um, So I you know I I think it's very high very high chance United do qualify for the Champions League now. But but third, second, fourth place makes a difference in terms of the qualifying games you have to play um, in the early part of the season. Uh, that, that will make a difference in terms of United's summer tour and preparation, preparation time. <laughs> um, and, uh, and whether United cut that short or, or, you know, well, it's supposed to be shorter this year anyway. And, uh, you know, so, and, and financially it makes a difference, of course, but I think that's, that's really key. And then just that sense of momentum. Imagine United do finish second after a really strong end to the season, fix a couple of holes. We'll be going into the next season feeling really, really good or, we can lose against City and lose against Chelsea and lose at Arsenal and a couple of draws and just scrape into that fourth place and we'll be feeling a bit different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and those are, those are the two the two non complete disaster scenarios, aren't they? Th- this one is huge. I, how would you approach it? I, I, from I don't see any changes necessary from the team that played. Yesterday, really, you could you could drop Fellaini, but I really, genuinely wouldn't drop Fellaini for this one. You can bring back Smalling, but that's six of one and pick or whatever the expression is. Six of one, half a dozen and the other. It's I, I just I don't know. You you definitely don't need to change the system to try and deal with City's threat because I think. United have been at their best when they've tried to impose themselves on other teams. And when Liverpool came, it's worth remembering that both Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur were in superb form before we battered them. So, you know, we, we've we made some pretty good teams look pretty ordinary recently. and.
1: Just as a general principle, I'd like to see Fellaini replaced just because there are many, many more creative players. I mean, uh, bring Di Maria into the side for Fellaini and all of a sudden you've got loads more creativity in the side. So just, just as a general principle, I'd like to see that happen. For this game, I'm, I'm certain he'll play. So it's kind of, it's speculative to to say otherwise. So I'm sure he will. And it'd make a lot of sense for United just to retain the, the same shape that's been so successful over the last three games. Uh, playing well in that system seems to suit United. Tactically, of course, all also makes a lot of sense because City will play a 4-4-2 or basically have been recently and, and United should be able to outnumber them in central midfield and that, that's actually not an area of great strength for Manchester City. I mean, they've got many, many strengths. Um, they've got a very good back four, of course, company in pretty horrible form at the moment. Um, and they've got uh, some very good players they can use in wide areas. Silver's obviously a real magician. And in Aguero, they've got uh, you know, one of the finest strikers in the league. Um, but that central midfield has been a bit difficult for them. Fernando, Fernandinho, yeah, you know, bit mere. Will Milner playing there and, and Lampard played last week. You've got to assume he won't. But uh, um, I think this is United's opportunity to dominate in central midfield over Manchester City. I can't remember the last time that
0: happened. It's brilliant, isn't it? We have definitely got a much better midfield than Man City. That's that is nice. It's a nice feeling. As you say, it's been a while. We have to play our game. We have to not worry too much about them. I guess. There is, uh, there will be a need to sit a little deeper as a defensive line because of Aguero. But you know, well, it's and they 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 have plenty of tools with which they can do damage. Um, but I, I really, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like there's a need to change very much in terms of Fellaini. You know, you said it's kind of redundant to discuss it because it's not going to happen. But do you are there qualities that Fellaini brings that you think would be useful in this game because? To me, actually, Fellaini's chest is quite useful in the game against City in a way that it's much less useful against Villa. Well, it depends on whether you think United need that out ball. I think they they might do.
1: But but not if United are dominating midfield. Might not, might not need it at all. Yeah. But it would change the shape, right? So I, I'm, I'm sure he'll play. If he didn't play, it's you're talking about Di Maria playing and, and him linking up with Ashley Young. Of course, Di Maria came on wide, wide left, which has not really been the position he's played very often this season when he came on for, for Young against Villa. So um, it's the one change I'd consider just because that... that Kind of ability to run at company who 's having a not a great time of it recently and mangala who 's instilling his first season uh, in the premier League is is a good one uh, I think he'll go in the same shape though.
0: and I think you could also change you could also drop young for di Maria if you perceive that De Maria is in good form i mean he obviously value, values young 's work rate and all that kind of stuff because it 's very valuable but you know, I, I've really enjoyed Ashley Young's renaissance this season and I like Ashley Young and kind of, I'm glad that I'm happy for him. Di Maria is obviously much better than him, obviously.
1: Yeah, and he creates goals.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so I think that, you know, that, that's a change that you could consider making. But there is, that is it's a risky move, isn't it? If you, you drop either Young or Fellaini, you're losing a bit of defensive impetus because Fellaini does, like, make a lot of tackles, for example
1: not many of them are very accurate but
0: yeah <laughs> uh, and i'm not
1: sure if you can call it a tackle when it's
0: with his elbow <laughs> he does also give away a lot of fouls of course um but yeah it's it's going to be fascinating i guess that we'll i do you think we'll hit 60 percent possession i obviously i'm not saying that's like a, a goal in and of itself but do you think that's the way the pattern of play will go
1: I don't think so. The only team that retains the ball more than United or, or passes the ball shorter and attempts to retain the ball more than United is Manchester City, who've played more short passes than any other team in the league and by some distance as well. So they they do attempt to retain the ball. I'd be really surprised if United got that kind of level of possession. I think it'll be very even, but which is another reason, of course, to get a ball player in there, uh, although De Maria being a, a man who
0: does not keep the ball, he's not he's not a ball player, is he? He's a he's a player with an A. But yeah, he's not a ball player in that sense, is he? He is bursty, as Alex Ferguson would say. Yes. So, I guess we have to make a prediction, right, for this game. We have to decide what we think the score's going to be. 14-0 to United. <laughs> no, no. one all. Yeah. 2-1 to United. Go on. Come on. Go on, you Ray. Right. That's confidence for you. It's not really, uh, it's not like a confident, confident prediction, but I, I think, all being well, no big injuries, I, th- I think... I think we can. We definitely can beat them. There's no question about that. A draw would be fine. A draw is not a bad result by any means. Yeah. You know, um, hey,
1: and we're talking before City go and play Palace at Palace, right? And uh, Palace have have been in decent form of it. Of like, wouldn't it be good if Palace turned them over?
0: Pardiola doing the business. Amazing turnaround at Palace. He, he might he might just have something this party. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. Like Newcastle and Palace. If you compare their form under Pardue and not under Pardue, It is pretty crazy, the effect that Pardue has.
1: And Wilfred Zaha looks
0: like a decent player again. Perhaps we should put a bid in for him. There was an interview with Wilfred Zaha. I, I mean, not to... Moyes bashing has grown so tired, I'm exhausted just thinking about it, but the interview that Zaha gave um, just makes Moyes look absolutely terrible. Zaha basically saying that like Van Gaal was really straight with him and said, I'm sorry, I don't think there's a place for you here. But Moyes just never talked to him about why he wasn't getting in the side. And imagine that, a young player who's just come to United, like doesn't know what's going on, his his whole life's changed and the manager's just not talking to him. It's just it's just a disgrace. But anyway, we only heard one side of that story. But totally checks out with everything you think about David Moyes, right?
1: Yeah, Moisey who's still doing all right in Spain, he's he's going to, uh, well, you know, his team is definitely going to be safe this season. Didn't look like that be the case when he took the job and uh, he's going to get to build from there. Although I, I saw an interview with the chairman the other day, he was saying that uh, Moise will bring in English players because he's a good English coach. <laughs> not,
0: not sure he would have liked that one. They are welcome to him. He can stay there as long as he likes. Yesterday was very it was it was another one of those days where it's like ah oh, this is brilliant I'm very glad David Moyes is nowhere near our team anymore. Genuinely feel quite negative towards Moyes for the whole the whole thing even though I also feel a bit sorry for him but it's just such a desire. Anyway, we've talked about this at considerable length. So, Ander Herrera with a stunning performance against Aston Villa, we've we'll more more of that as we completely batter Man City off the park in the subsequent fixture um, and then afterwards we'll be back to discuss United's triumph on uh, another episode of the Rankcast uh, if you want to get hold of us in the meantime you can get me on Twitter at UTDRankcast, you can get Ed at United Rant, and get both of us at facebook.com slash United Rant. Um I noticed you wrote an actual comment on Facebook the other day Ed did I? Um, you did. It was a link to your Telegraph article about Rooney. Oh but... yes,
1: we haven't talked about that one. God, I got some hate for that. Wow. Did you? Uh, yes, a lot. A lot. Uh, including a lot of people DMing me who were DMing me hate. Uh, and some people who, even when I explained, look, I was commissioned to write an article about why Rooney should be sold. You know? That's what you do. You make an opinion. Oh, Still, he should be sold. No, no, no. It won't be sold. And actually, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, um, uh, funnily enough, even though I banged on about it. But uh, you can't change three strikers in the summer. And uh, so he's the one that should stay and the other two should go. And United should bring in a a top class forward. That would be the most sensible uh, thing United could do this summer. We'll see whether that happens.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much to everyone who has used UnitedRant.co.uk slash donate to contribute towards the show. That's really kind of you. Um, but also really useful is if you can rate the show in iTunes. If you like it, um, if you use iTunes, just pop on there and give us a nice review. If, if loads of people do that at once, we shoot up the iTunes charts and then more people find out about the show and listen to it. And that's always really nice. And if you do listen to the show regularly, just subscribe using the iTunes subscribe feature or... whatever other podcast software you use
1: yeah do that and uh, if you do you'll hear us next week talking about United's draw with Manchester City if you believe me or victory over Manchester City if you believe Paul yeah I, I'm currently Paul £11.50 up on the season in the £1 bet club which I, I believe I'm the only participant in but still £11.50 what should I do with my winnings
0: I don't know that's good though isn't it well, it's
1: not bad I think we should do it properly next season £1 a, uh, £1, £1 a game too rich if
0: United are in the Champions League yeah that's a lot that's a lot of money can't we do 10 i no. I'm not
1: doing it, but listeners, like... Oh, 10p. Come on, you want to make it a bit more interesting. So anyway, look, I've proven you can, you can, you know, you could be out. If it's only £1 a game, you only need a couple of wins to break yourself even over the, the course of the season.
0: I do not endorse gambling. <laughs>
1: Gambling companies, if you'd like to sponsor us, don't, don't come here because uh, I always say no.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they're the only people that do want to sponsor us, ironically. <laughs> it is true. Anyway, we'll
1: be back uh, next week and uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. See you next week.